was a minute ago. So, uh, but we are truly blessed. Lorena and I are blessed. I look at my time because you know I'm all about trying to preach. You know what I'm saying? So I look at my time. I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this thing. So uh, in case you missed the T-shirt of the week, uh, you only live once. <laughs> LOL, JK, be right back, Jesus. So anybody who's saying you only live once, uh, you didn't read the Bible. So <laughs> we're going to have to remind you of that. So uh, but today we are in a series, and uh, actually before I get to that, I just want to say a couple of quick things. Um, I'm not even going to rush through it. I'm just going to take some time. And first off, I want to say thanks so much uh, to everyone uh, at City on a Hill. You guys really, really make uh, pastoring something that is a blessing to Lorena and I. We have a church that actually believes and lives the gospel, which matters extremely to me. When Lorena and I started our, the church uh, 10 years ago, we wanted a church that we'd be proud of, a church that's active, a church that goes into the community and actually lives our convictions. And so thank you for being a part of that fellowship. Um, just yesterday, we partnered with New Philadelphia, and 1,150 families were fed yesterday to the glory of Jesus right here in our city. And what's exciting is, is we're believing God that that's going to become a monthly uh, event um, where we'll be feeding, uh, yes, in two weeks we'll be doing it again. So we're believing that God's going to provide these opportunities for us. And so if you want to get involved in that. And then I want to read one other quick thing that came from CASA, which is one of the, the ministries that we served during CareFest, and it just was a, it's a, a beautiful uh, certificate, but more importantly, what the director wrote, she said, we'd like to, we'd like you to know that your service to CASA is profound. We truly value the hard work and dedication you put in to make CASA's entrance more welcoming and inviting to survivors of domestic violence. We are forever grateful, Sherry Cluster, director, and then uh, Tamika Lovett, the facility operations manager, says, words cannot express how grateful I am for all of your hard work. It was a pleasure working with you. I value your, com your commitment to get the job done. Blessings to you and the City on a Hill Church family. So I just want to say again, thank you so much. You know, that's, that's really what this whole thing's about. And, uh, you know, we want to live what Jesus said. And... Um, <laughs> If we don't, guys, I don't know what else, what else we're called to do. And so we're starting a new series today, and this is the most appropriate uh, introduction to this message um, because we're talking about serpents and doves. The Bible tells us that we are to be as shrewd as serpents, yet harmless as doves. And the Bible tells us that we are supposed to live out our convictions. And if we don't live out our convictions, we become contradictions. And trust me, it starts in your home. Your family sees if you live for Jesus or not. Your friends see it. Your neighbors see it. Your church sees it. Your city sees it. And so as we're in this five-week series, I want us to really talk about how to stand firm in our convictions and engage people both inside and outside the church. One of the hardest things that I have to do as a pastor is to hold people accountable. 
I don't like to do that. I like to be the great guy, the fun guy, the loving guy, the guy who'll cry with you, pray with you. But anybody who knows me, who's walked any time with me, knows the Bible is the Bible is the Bible is the Word of God, and I will hold you accountable to the Word of God. That's my job. And whether that means you love me or don't love me, that's between you and Jesus. But I have a job to do, and my job is to equip you for acts of service in the kingdom and to prepare your heart. That's my job. And so my job is to make sure that we are living out this gospel every day. And so uh, when you and I are trying to persuade others, we should be motivated by Christ's love. Anybody who knows me knows that I absolutely love you people. I really do with all my heart. I love you enough to tell you the truth, even when it hurts. I love you enough. Anytime I do anything, it's not to hurt you. It's always to help. My job is never to get you back. It's always to bring you back. That's my job. That's what God's job is. And so I try my best with gentleness. And, and you know, I expect hostility. I really do. Right away, it's as soon as you get correction, boom, it's Pastor Mike. I go from hero to zero. I go from the blue-eyed devil behind this pulpit with the Pope shield because he got to have bulletproof glass. But when you think about it, what's a conviction? What is a conviction? Well, a conviction is something that is firmly held. It's a firmly held belief. It's a state of mind, listen to me, that you are sure in what you believe. That's a conviction. A conviction. Now, personal convictions are set to our beliefs. Now, your personal conviction and my personal convictions are set by what you believe and what you determine is right and wrong. Now, the only way you know the difference between right and wrong is a relationship with God. We don't like it when the Bible tells us what's right or wrong because it goes against our set beliefs. That's why God gives us a set of new beliefs. And so listen to this, though. Your convictions, they drive your behaviors, they drive your actions, and they drive every decision that involves right and wrong. They determine your response and other people's, to other people, and they also, deter, they also always evoke an emotional response. Your convictions always evoke an emotional response. Why? Because we're emotional people. Now, what is a belief? There's another question. The definition of belief is something that a person holds true. Faith in God is an example of belief. We trust, we have faith and confidence or something or someone. Some of us are overconfident in ourselves and continue to fail. Some of us are confident in God and trust in his leading. Now, I'm getting ready to read a section of scripture to you. And for some of you listening on YouTube and Facebook and even some in this room, it may not be, mean very much because it's going to come from the Bible. Now, I say that and I say that because there has been assault on the Bible for the last two decades. People trying to discredit the Bible, calling it an archaic book that doesn't apply to today. God didn't really mean what he said in the Bible. And then they hold to that conviction so they live a life that's contrary to the gospel because they know better than God. Now, 
If you believe and you have a personal conviction that the Bible is the word of God, then you are going to trust it, act, and behave according to the, what the scripture says. And you are going to consider that this is absolute truth and flies in the, faith, uh, in the face of your truth. Well, that's your truth. That's not my truth. I'm just going to let it set for a minute. Because your truth has been leading you to some lies. So let's read some scripture together. Oh, it's a little heavy. They're like, dang, Pastor Mike went away and now he's coming back being all mean. <laughs> Not being mean, just being honest. Now look at this. Listen to what this says. 2 Corinthians 5. For we must all, everybody say all. Say that means you appears before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. Everybody say, in the body. Whether good or evil. Now, some people confuse this with the great white throne of judgment. No, this is when Jesus stands before you and me and asks you, what did you do with the life that I redeemed? I changed you, I picked you up, I cleaned you up, and how did you live out the gospel. How did you live out my commands? Because my commands say, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. So one day you and I are going to stand before God, Jesus Christ himself, and you're going to have to give an account for the way you lived in front of your children, in front of your spouse, in front of your co-workers, in front of your city, in front of your pastor. Yes, I do have social media. And I just lost a whole bunch of followers. And I'm also probably blocked now. Because I would look at it another way. Not so proud of that social media right now, huh? Okay, Jesus. I said, let it sit for a minute. I just like people to reflect right now. They're going, what did I put on there? What did Pastor Mike say? Why is he talking about me? So they're doing right now. Therefore, therefore, you know when you see a therefore, it means take into account what you just heard. Now, you just heard that you're going to appear before Jesus. Now, with that in your mind... Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, but we are as known, we are, is no, what, what, what we are is known to God, but what we are is known to God. You know who you are? You know who I am? You are who you are when no one else is around but you and Jesus. That's who you are. Therefore, we persuade others, but what we are is known to God. I hope that it's also known to your conscience. I can just go home. He said, you are who you are, and it's known to God, but I hope you know it in your conscience because your conscience has been playing tricks on you. 
Your conscience is not lining up with who God says you are. God says you're redeemed. God says you are changed. God says you are set free. God says you are healed. God says you are delivered. But your conscience hasn't been told yet because you're doing things that you know are against God's word. But your conscience is being seared. Now y'all know why I went old school with the microphone. And that's in the therefore. We haven't even got to the other part yet. We are not commending ourselves. Don't think I'm standing up here in judgment of you. I, I am who I am in front of God too, please. Anybody who knows me knows I need Jesus more than my next heart beat. I got all kinds of problems. The difference is I know I got problems and I don't excuse them or decide that God's okay with my anger or God's okay with my whatever. We're not commending ourselves to you, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. Some people think God's blessed to have them. Some people think, listen, boy, what would God do without me? What would the church do without me? Look at all that I do for God. I can do whatever I want outside the church because look what I do for God. Hallelujah. Boy, that church is going to fold if I leave. They got that Elijah syndrome. Elijah said, I'm the only one. And God said, I got 7,000 more lined up. So look at what he says. He says, what's in your heart? He says, for, for if, we are, if, if we are beside ourselves, it's for God. If you're wondering why your pastor's talking to you like this this morning, it's because I care about you. I'm beside myself for God. I've been lamenting in my office all morning before I had to come preach this message. I take no joy in these type of messages and I take no joy in the conversations that I have to have but if we are in our right mind it's for you and trust me I'm in my right mind it may be questionable sometimes but not this morning for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all therefore all have died and he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves. Say, I ain't living for myself. I'm not living for myself. So now listen to me. Listen, that means the next time you decide that you deserve something, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this sin. I'm going to live this way because I deserve it. I earned this. That's what Christians do. Well, you know what? I fed 1,150 people yesterday. It's party time tonight. What? I'll be in church tomorrow. I'll repent. Hallelujah. I'll be out there. I'll do any. You know, I'll, I'll even clean the toilets at the church. Hallelujah. But on Saturday night, whoa, you better watch it. I earned it. I deserved it. Live for yourselves, but for him 
who died for their sake and was raised. Can you say amen? From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though once we regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Somebody shout, I'm a new creation. Now shout it like you mean it. I'm a new creation. Look at this. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God. Was it from you? All of this is from God through whom Christ reconciled us uh, to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. Can you say amen? I'm glad God ain't counting my trespasses against me. And entrusting us the message of reconciliation. Have you been reconciliation? Have you been doing reconciliation or have you been wrecking people? Especially the good people in your life that are speaking truth to you. Are you wrecking them or are you reconciling? Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. making God, uh, God making an appeal through us. Did you know God's making an appeal through you? He's making an appeal to your spouse through you. He's making an appeal to your children through you. He's making an appeal to your co-workers through you. He's making an appeal to this city through you. What kind of appeal is he making? We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, that's Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might be called the righteousness of God. Church, you are the righteousness of God. Can I tell you who you are? You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. You are the righteousness of God. That's what the Bible says you are. So start acting like it. Start living like it. Your kids won't know the difference between righteousness and unrighteousness because you are the one making the appeal. Your spouse, your family, your coworkers, your friends, your neighbors, they'll have no idea what righteousness looks like unless you show them. The big point I want you to leave with today is this. We must live out our convictions daily. Everybody say daily. Or we become living contradictions with zero influence for Christ. Everybody say zero influence. Let that sit for a minute. I don't know about you, man. But I want to have an influence for Jesus. And I know that if I don't live out my convictions daily and I become a living contradiction, my wife ain't going to want to hear what I have to say on Sundays. If I'm not living it Monday through Sunday, what I say in the pulpit on, on Sunday morning will mean nothing to her. It'll mean nothing to my family. It'll mean nothing to my nieces and nephews. And if you don't think they see, trust me, when my niece was three years old, I'm, I'm driving with them, and she says to me, Uncle Mikey, have you always been good? Good? Who's she talking to? 
I said, no, baby, I haven't always been good. It was Jesus who made me good. But let me tell you something. When a three-year-old comes upon an appeal to conclude that you are good, God's doing something. You don't think it matters? My, my nephew, he's 11. He's, he might be watching. If not, he'll, he'll give me trouble. He's going to be with me the next weekend anyway. But when we're in the store, and I always say, God bless to the people as I'm leaving. He's like, why do you always say God bless you to everybody? I'm like, you want me to say I hate you? He's like, no, but man, you got to say God bless you to everybody. I said, I want to bless everybody when I leave. They pick up on it. They see it. I don't want to be a living contradiction. What's the difference between living out our convictions or being a living contradiction? It's important for you and I to understand that you and I have an obligation and an opportunity. You see, when you and I are understanding this, we claim to be followers of Christ. We either live by our convictions or we become living contradictions. And you know what a living contradiction is? It's a combination of statements and ideas or feet that feature something that's opposed to the other. So you say, baby, we go to church on Sunday, but we live like the devil Monday through Saturday. But you don't do it, just daddy does that. Just mommy does that. But I don't want you to be like me. But I thought you said you were like Jesus. Now, I'm like Jesus on Sunday. But Saturday through, uh, no, that's out. Don't be like me. I'll tell you what Paul said. Follow me as I follow Jesus. It's a contradiction. As believers, we're called to be shrewd as serpents, but harmless as doves. And there's a fine line between living out your convictions and living out contradictions. What's the difference? Glad you asked. I have about 14 minutes to tell you. The difference between is this. The first thing I want you to see is living out our convictions is rooted in a healthy fear of the Lord. And I'm not talking about Jason or Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger or Godzilla. I'm not talking about that kind of fear. I'm talking about a fear way worse than that. You know what, you know what Jesus told people? He said, you shouldn't fear the one that can kill your body. You should fear the one that can condemn your soul. That's what Jesus said. That's, I'm going to go with Jesus on that. But you only live once. LOL. Just kidding. Be right back. Jesus. Look at what it says. He says, for we must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Listen, you know what I'm motivated by? When I see my Jesus, man, when I see my Jesus, I want him to know, man, that I poured it all out for you, Jesus. When I see my Jesus, I don't want to be ashamed when, when they call my name at the Bema seat, the Bema judgment seat. I want to be able to come up there excited to see my Jesus. I don't want to come in there and say, man, I got in here smelling like smoke. I want to get in there. And because the Bible says he's going to reward me with crowns and then I get to give them back for the life that he changed. 
When I see my Jesus, I want to say, Jesus, man, I did everything in my power. Thank you that I'm not perfect. I'm being perfected. Thank you that you were perfect and I wasn't. But Jesus, I didn't use that as an excuse to live like the devil. I, I didn't serve you just to, just to go to heaven. I served you because you loved me when no one else loved me. You, you loved me and I wanted to show you I love you more than I love my wife. I love you more than I love my kids. I love you more than I love my name. I love you more than I love who I am. I love you more than anything in this world and I needed you to know that. Some people say that's harsh. My wife knows. Listen, I know I'm number two. I'm number two because Jesus has to be number one or we wouldn't be together for 28 years. She knows she's number two because we wouldn't be together for 28 years if it wasn't for Jesus being number one because I ain't got that in me. But thanks be to God, I got the Holy Spirit of God living in me that lets me put myself aside. I have a healthy fear of the Lord. When I stand before Jesus, I don't want to be afraid. I want to be excited to see my Jesus. I already tell you, I'm going to fall down. I already told y'all, I ruined that song for you. You know, will I stand, will I dance for you, Jesus, or in all of you be still? I'm going to be face down like John. Y'all need to read Revelation. John saw Jesus, he was face down. Jesus was like, you need to get up. I can't. He's like, can't. <laughs> face down. Can't do it. He's like, no, for real, you can get up. No, can't. Can't do it. Not going to do it, Jesus. I just want to hear him say, well done, man. It's a sobering reality for God to fill us with holy fear. God knows who you are. And here's the good news. He loves you. You know what I take rest in? He knew who I was when I was at my worst. And then he told me who I could be when he was at his best. And now... I'm becoming who he wants me to be. That's exciting news. Or am I? Or am I? It's been a minute since I got saved. It's been a minute. Three minutes. Three decades. It's been a minute. Maybe I've earned heaven now. Oh, look at these wonderful signs. Maybe I've earned heaven. These guys had some wonderful things to say about me, so I shouldn't be able to live any way I want because I've been a good pastor. Yay. No. I'm a good pastor to you because Jesus changes my heart, and I try and live that for him. And when I live for him, I live for you. My Bible says whoever wants to gain his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, and I told you I am not perfect by a long shot. But I never think that you're blessed to have me. And I never ever think that God's blessed to have me in his kingdom. And I never ever think that I'm not replaceable. The only person you guys can't live without is Jesus. The only person I can't live without is Jesus. 
See, Jesus dealt with sin for us. The cross of Christ is where the justice of God met the grace of God. And the rightful wrath of God was satisfied in Christ Jesus. And objects of wrath, that's guys like me, became objects of affection. It's for fear or reverence of God that pushes us to stand firm in our convictions and persuade others of the truth of the gospel that they too may be saved. You know why? I, you know what the Bible says about teachers? The Bible says any of you who want to be teachers, you shouldn't want to be because you're going to be judged more strictly than everybody else. You know why you get held to a higher standard than everybody else? Because you take the mantle of teacher. You can't take up the mantle of teacher and think you're not going to be held accountable. Or what kind of man am I? What kind of pastor am I? What kind of person am I? We're going to put on a show on Sunday? I can't live like that, church. I'll never live like that. Never will I live like that for the sake of the church. We can shut the doors before I live like that. I ain't trying to live like I'll I'll play the bongos and sing. If that's what I got to do and that's a that's a threat. <laughs> you heard it. Come on. Y'all have heard me sing. You know what's up with that. Proverbs 9:10 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy one is insight. When you choose to believe in Jesus, listen to me, when you choose to believe in Jesus, you choose to believe that you're a sinner in need of a savior. You choose to agree with God what sin is. You choose to agree that this Bible is truth and what it says is sin is still sin. And you need to be saved. That's what you choose to believe. Keep that in your heart. When you choose to agree with God, you know that sin and God don't mix. Sin cannot stand in the presence of God. And the only way that you and I will stand in the presence of God is through the blood of Jesus Christ that covers over our sin. And if that isn't love, then the oceans are dry. The second thing I want you to see this morning, and thanks be to God, there's only two points. Just making sure you're still listening. Some people are looking all shocked at me right now. They're looking like, is he done yet? Living out our convictions before all people, say all, is rooted in God's love. Look, it says, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward appearance and not about what's in the heart. You know what meant the world to me is the three ladies that stood up here on stage today. They know my heart. They've seen me live this gospel. So what they said was not empty words to me. What they said cut me deep into my soul in a good way because what they said is the way I've tried to live and I'm not commending myself as they say those words you always feel unworthy of those words but just for to have those words spoken says that it's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus always going to be about you I love Gina said I know it's always about Jesus but today Pastor Mike 
And she knows I'm like, yes, I know, Gina, but it's still all about Jesus. Listen, it's rooted in God's word. I want to tell you a, a very quick story that you can read in, in, in 1 Corinthians 5 and 2 Corinthians 2. Did, did, did you guys know, uh, let me just ask, uh, we're going to be a little late this morning, but did you guys know that Corinthians was written to the church in Corinth? And did you know that Ephesians was written to the church in Ephesus? And did you know that the Romans was written to the church in Romans? And did you know that the Galatians was written to the church in Galatia? Did you know that Colossians was written to the church? All, y'all, y'all, y'all seeing who it was? It was written to who? The church. The church. So if it was written to the church, then there were some things happening in the church that needed to get corrected. Right? Am I right? So when you try and take this and apply it to St. Petersburg, if you ain't applying it to the church in St. Petersburg, you got it all wrong. Because of their beliefs and their convictions and their contradictions. Church in Corinth. The apostles in Acts had the Gentile church. There was a Gentile church that was growing. And people were trying to make them follow religious protocol of circumcision. And they said, listen, it's not going to work. We're going to have to the Jerusalem council. Here's what you can't do. Don't eat meat sacrificed to idols and don't be sexually immoral. I need you to not do those two things. If we can do those two things, we're going to be good to go. Now, I don't think we have any problem with meat strangled to idols today. Hopefully. I couldn't say that with total conviction. So, 1 Corinthians 5, there's a, there's a man and his wife in church, and there is a son and the son is having sex with his stepmom. Controversial. And people knew it and wasn't nobody doing nothing about it. So Paul writes a letter under the unction of the Holy Spirit that says, Hey, yo, I know there's a dude in your church that's having sex with his stepmom. Tell him he needs to stop. And if he doesn't stop, then put him out. Paul didn't do this to be mean. Paul said, do this so that he feels the sting of what he did and hopefully he'll turn. Now, fast forward 2 Corinthians chapter 2. You know what Paul says about that young man? Paul says, I want you to receive that young man like you received me. He repented. He changed. He's no longer doing those things anymore. He is a valuable part of the church, and you should accept him the same way you accept me. But church, if 1 Corinthians 5 doesn't happen, 2 Corinthians 2 doesn't happen, and that young man goes to hell. Paul wasn't doing it to be mean. He was doing it to love that person, to love that mother, to love that son, to love that family, and to love that church. Or everybody grows up thinking it's okay to have sex with your stepmom. It's not okay, by the way. I know it's 2020, but that's not okay. 
Okay, I'm just pointing at the, the, the Bible says that. Because it's 2020 and everything's good. Sex is the new God. I knew we were going to be late. Thank you, Jesus. I was hoping somebody would just give me just a little bit of love there. Thank you. Some people are thinking, man, is McDonald's still serving breakfast? <laughs> this just in, they serve it all day, which means I got all day. Hallelujah. It's been a long time. I didn't preach in two weeks. Let me just go ahead and kick back a little bit. All our interactions with those outside the church should be motivated by Christ's love. Jesus loved the world so much that he died for them so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We must reflect God's love to our community. You can't get on a pirate ship and expect them to act like Christians. They're pirates. They do pirate stuff. Right? You can't expect a pirate to show up to church and not do pirate stuff. They're pirates. Until they become Christians, then we got to stop doing pirate stuff. And I joke a lot and say sometimes I pastor an island of pirates. And I'm Captain Bly and Captain Hook. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, I just want to make sure I have a job tomorrow. Or maybe, maybe not. I don't know what I want right now. So here we go. <laughs> this is what I believe, that we should be driven by the same love to communicate the message of hope to the lost, share our convictions, and persuade other people. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Your message cannot be one of moralism. No. We are not preaching a message of moralism. You are a new creation in Christ, and that's where we start. We start, listen, you and I cannot white-knuckle ourselves into a better person. What happens is you give your heart to Jesus. The Holy Spirit of God comes in and begins to live in you. You are not perfect. You are being perfected, and you are transformed by the renewing of your mind and the washing of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit is your down payment on eternity. And what that tells you is this, is that you know that you know that you know that you know, so you live like you know. That's what God calls us to. So my question to you this morning is very powerful. Are you living your convictions or are you a living contradiction? I'm not talking about CareFest. I'm not talking about feeding 1,100 people, which is important, and we're supposed to do all those things. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about where you serve on Sunday. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about you. Are you making an appeal to your spouse, the one that you're dating, your children, your coworkers, your neighbors? Or are they just going to say you're a good person? Good luck with good person. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I just don't live like he's coming. I 
I live like an atheist Sunday when the bell rings and pastor lets me leave until Sunday morning when I get the reminder, oh, you're supposed to go to church. Then I, then I believe for about an hour and a half. Well, today, an hour and a half, usually it's an hour and 15 minutes. Then I go back to doing whatever I want. But I make myself feel better, though. You know, I make myself feel better because when they need any help, they can call on me. Or do you do it? Listen, we fed 1,150 people because Jesus asked us to. We went to CareFest because Jesus asked us to. We serve on Sunday mornings because Jesus asked to do. We give out 300 bags of the gospel on this campus because Jesus asked us to, not in order to offset the evil that we've done during the week. You'll never do that. The only way you can do that is to repent. And there's conviction and condemnation. Let me tell you what's happening in the room as I wrap up. Let me tell you what's happening in the room today. There is conviction and there is condemnation. And there is such a fine line between them that Satan will use them. Satan is using right now the condemnation thing to say, see, you're no good. He doesn't like you. The church doesn't like you. Nobody likes you. You should just quit, give up, go live like the devil because you're going to go to hell. That's what condemnation says. There's no help and there's no hope for you. But the conviction of the Holy Spirit is what's working in your heart right now. It's what's working in your life right now right now and Jesus is saying come let us reason together though your sin be as scarlet I'll make it white as snow come repent believe come to the altar ask for forgiveness and I will forgive you ask for help and I will help you ask to be changed and I will change you that's what he's calling you say I'm a living contradiction he says I want to make you a living conviction hallelujah and he has the power to do it but you got to decide you got to choose today you got to choose today whom you're going to serve because waiting outside those doors is every evil opportunity. And I promise you before the end of the day, you'll have more opportunities for evil than good. So what are you going to do? I don't know about you, but I'm going to ask Jesus to help me. I'm going to use his conviction to change me. And I know I'm not going to be perfect, but I'm being perfected. But I sure I'm not going to use that as an excuse. I'm going to live my life like it's all about Jesus because it's always been about Jesus. It's always going to be about Jesus. I can't do that without him, though. You need Jesus. You need Jesus. I need Jesus. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come to you today. God, we're not afraid to admit that we need you. And God, I don't want to live, be a living contradiction. I want to be convicted. I want to live out my convictions in front of people. And I know I'm not perfect, God. And I'm asking you right now in front of, in front of this whole church, forgive me, God. Forgive me, God. Change my heart. Give me clean hands and give me a pure heart. Let me not lift my soul to another, God. Give me a passion that burns bright for you, brighter than anyone or anything. Right there where you're at, if that's your prayer, just say, Jesus, forgive me. Jesus, I agree with you. Jesus, I need you. Holy Spirit, come and live in me. 
Condemnation, I condemn you in the name of Jesus. Speak it right there. Condemnation, I condemn you in the name of Jesus. Conviction, I receive you in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, lead me, guide me, direct me, heal me, help me. I can't do it without you, but with you I can do all things. You are my hope, you are my life, you are my strength. It's in Jesus' name that I make this declaration. And all of God's people said, amen and amen. Can you give the Lord a hand clap this morning because he's a good God? Man, I've enjoyed being with you this morning. And uh, I'm not going to apologize for us being a little late. It's good. Uh, it's good for us. Uh, but I just want to say, again, I'm excited about what the future holds for you. On, on, in just a couple weeks, we're going to be right out here. And we're going to have 300 families right out here and a chance to impact them to the glory of Jesus. So if you haven't had a chance, get signed up for following. Come out. Be a part of it. We're looking forward. We're excited about coming out. It takes a crowd to get a crowd. We're looking forward to that. Next week, we'll continue on. We're going to be, the next four weeks, we'll be in serpent, uh, Serpents and Doves. Remember, as you go into the world today, that you are supposed to be as shrewd as a serpent, but harmless as a dove. So let's live our lives. And if God's been speaking to your heart about something, let him finish his work. And if you're mad about anything that you heard this morning, let God do the work in you. Ask him, why am I mad? Why am I mad? Ask God that. And he'll show you what's